Good evening, everyone, and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number two of Revelation chapter six. And we're reading in verse five. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And once again, we've been going through the book of Revelation verse by verse, and we've come to chapter 6. And this is the point when the Lamb, the Lord Jesus, is opening the seven seals. He's already opened the first two, and with the first seal, there was seen a rider on a white horse that went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, there was seen a rider on a red horse who went forth to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. And these two riders are representative of the two kingdoms, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the spearhead of that kingdom is the word of God as it goes forth into the world to accomplish the purposes that God sent it forth to accomplish. And the rider on the red horse is picturing Satan and his kingdom who are desperate to oppose the rider on the white horse, to to come against the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is Satan's desire to take peace from the earth, to remove the true gospel, to remove the peace that comes when a sinner is reconciled to God through Christ and and that that was Satan's plan to prevent God from saving one of his elect and and this is the point of battle the point of opposition that the two kingdoms met each other God uh ransacking the the kingdom of Satan ransacking the house of the strong man to free the captives to free those who were predestinated to receive this salvation by God before the world was and Satan again desperately trying to muster his forces his emissaries who come as uh, emissaries of righteousness and he himself who comes looking like Christ as an angel of light trying to deceive and and to turn and to twist the word of God so that those brought under the hearing would be fooled and and they would trust a lie and there's no power in a lie to save. And this was the battleground. This was the uh, place where the warfare was happening. It was in the spiritual realm and in the world as the word of God would go to a place and Satan would resist. Well, now we find the third beast or the third seal 
is opened by the Lamb, the Lord Jesus, and the third beast, or the third living creature, as the word beast ought to have been translated as living creature, and this third living creature is a representation of God himself, and one of the living creatures is saying this same thing with each of the first four seals, come and see, and and I beheld, it says in Revelation 6, 5, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Now, we saw with the white horse that that was significant, that the color of the horse had spiritual meaning. It points to holiness and purity. And likewise, with the color of the red horse that identifies with the devil, with Satan. Well, what of the black horse? Well, we we find, actually, some help in this very same chapter with the color black. As we read in Revelation 6, verse 12, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Here, the sun becomes black as sackcloth of hair, as though um, a sackcloth was placed over the sun and preventing it from shining, and and therefore there was darkness. Uh, that's what happens when the light of the sun goes out. And Revelation 6.12 identifies with uh, those days after the tribulation, uh, as we read in Matthew Chapter 24 and verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. And, and here God does not use the word darken, but he chooses to use the word black. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. And yet that is the idea. The black horse identifies with darkness. And darkness identifies with sin and death and the judgment of God. The judgment of God that falls upon the sinner. Now, we'll see that this um, third opening of the seal and and this black horse that, uh, as the rider has a pair of balances in his hand, that it is actually picturing the time of the Great Tribulation. As we we could understand the first two horses, the white and the red, to be an illustration of the spiritual battle that raged throughout the many centuries of the Church Age. And now we come to the end of the Church Age and the, the Great Tribulation period, and the opening of the third seal relates to that. I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Now, the word balances, the Greek word that's translated as balances, is normally translated as yoke, um, such as uh, a yoke of oxen, or... When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, and it is the same word. But the translators 
correctly translated this word as balances in this place, in this context, and we can say that uh, as a result of what we read next in verse 6, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. And in order to measure, you need a balance. You need a scale. And God has laid down the law for balances or weights and measures in the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 19, it says in verse 35, He shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meat yard, in weight, or in measure. Just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hin shall ye have. I am Jehovah your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe all my statutes and all my judgments and do them. I am Jehovah. Notice how the Lord ties together these um, balances and weights and, and so forth with being brought out of Egypt and and the deliverance of Israel from Egypt points to salvation. And he he also quickly ties it in with his word, with observing his statutes, his judgments, and, and that is the word of God, the law of God, the Bible. And that's exactly what balances in these weights and measures has to do with. You know, weights and measures, that's a familiar um, phrase even today in our modern time. And maybe you've noticed uh, if you've gone to the gas station that there is normally a seal placed upon the pump that it's been inspected by the Department of Weights and Measures. And just so many things involve measurement. When we go to the deli and we ask for a pound of cheese and a pound of ham, what do they do? Well, they slice it and then they lay it upon a scale. And and the scale must uh, come to a pound. That's what we ordered. We want one pound. And we know the price for one pound. And and so if it's a correct scale, we receive one pound for the amount that uh, was stated. And and that is a just measurement. It's a just balance, a just weight, and and so forth. That and and the scales have to be inspected by a department because historically. There is, there has often been people who have tried to, um, make a little extra money by altering the balance of the scale. If they're able to sell you, um, a little bit less than a pound for the price of a pound, well, in their minds, they, they make more money. Well, they, they do, of course, but it's, it, it's deceitful. And uh, they're not really making anything at all. It, it normally will cause them far more trouble than the little bit that they make. But this is why there's a whole um, official department that performs inspections 
to make sure that the weight of the product, the the amount of the product that we're purchasing uh, is correct. And, and God is using that figure that is very familiar um, with the people of that day as it is with us today. It's a very familiar thing all throughout time. We have had to have a scale to balance in order to make sure that that things are done justly. But we read in Micah, in Micah chapter 6. Let's go over there in Micah 6. And in verse 10, it says, Are there yet the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked and the scant measure that is abominable? Shall I count them pure with the wicked balances and with the bag of deceitful weights? Now, here God is really following up on that command. We read in Leviticus, God has commanded you must use just balances, equal weights and measures, and and everything is to be done according uh, to the law of God. And there, there needs to be a just system in place. Well, now God is referring to those who, um, they, they count them pure, referring to the wicked, with the wicked balances and with the bag of deceitful weights. Now, how can that be? Well, remember in that passage in Leviticus 19, how quickly the Lord related that to his statutes and to his judgments, to his word. And we can understand when we think of how the gospel has been manipulated today when people are brought under the hearing of it in the churches and congregations, for instance. And the teaching is, well, now you're a sinner. And, and that's true. They're correct so far. But they say, there is a way of escape. There is a way of salvation. There is a Savior. And that's that's true, as it was stated during the day of salvation. And then they say, now here is how you find salvation. Here is how you may become saved. This is the thing that you do. Believe on the Lord. Decide to accept Him. And right away, the the scale of justice, the scale of the Word of God is weighted. It is... Uh, it, it is as though a crooked merchant has just added uh, a heavier weight on the side of the the product that you're buying, and now you're paying for something that you're not getting. And they're selling something that is not true and faithful. It is a lie. It is um, a, a bag of deceitful weights. The true weight that needs to be put on the scale when the information is put forth that we're sinners, we're under the wrath of God, we're subject to eternal destruction, to annihilation, is the work of the Lord Jesus, the work of Christ 
on the sinner's behalf, on uh, the behalf of his people for the sake of the elect. Now, remember, God spoke of a deceitful bag, a deceitful weight. Well, let's turn to Proverbs 16, and we'll read verse 11, where it says, A just weight and balance are Jehovah's. All the weights of the bag are his work. Oh, there, there is a balanced scale. There is a just weight. It is the work of Christ, the faith of Christ that saves, not the faith of man. When someone says it's your faith it, it, that you have to exercise in order to bring to yourself salvation, it's a deceitful weight. But the proper and just weight is the bag of his work that the emphasis is upon the grace of God and and the work that Jesus performed in paying the penalty for his people's sins from the foundation of the world when no man was with him he he himself and his own arm brought salvation and and not uh, anything any individual did well you see this is the picture that God is um, drawing from when he speaks of a pair of balances in Revelation 6. Now let's also look in in Amos 8, and it says in verse 5, saying, When will the new moon be gone, that we may sell corn, and the Sabbath, that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great and falsifying the balances by deceit and remember god likens the gospel to um to buying and selling and he himself likens uh, himself to a merchant man when he says in isaiah chapter 55 come ye and buy and then of course he says buy without money because his salvation is is free. It's it's um, a free gift by the grace of God to those that He has chosen. But there are those that are um, they're they're uh, shady. They're uh, they're not honest at all in their dealings with the Word of God, as they are merchandising the gospel in a very horrible way and and dealing with men's souls and. Revelation chapter 18, the Lord mentions that is one of the items of merchandise in Babylon, the souls of men. And, and sadly, this is, uh, what the, the corporate church of our time is dealing in, the souls of men. And they have brought ruin to all the souls of men that have been deceived by their unjust weights and balances. Well, now, um, in Ezekiel chapter 4, in Ezekiel 4, we read in verses 16 and 17. Let me get there. Ezekiel 4, verse 16. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, behold, I will break the staff of bread in Jerusalem, and they shall eat bread by weight and with care, 
and they shall drink water by measure and with astonishment, that they may want bread and water and be astonished one with another and consume away for their iniquity. Now here the Lord is um, connecting the idea of the breaking of the staff of bread with eating bread by weight and and measure, or drinking water by measure. And the breaking of the staff of bread is language that describes a famine. But as Amos 8 verse 11 says, that uh, there is a famine in the land, not of bread and of water, that is literal, physical bread and water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. That's the famine that God brought to the churches and congregations at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, when he ended the church age and judgment began at the house of God. And that's what's in view here in Revelation 6, verse 5, as the seal is open and the third living creature says, Come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse, as black identifies with darkness, the darkness that has descended upon the church. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, now that voice is God's, as the four living creatures are a representation of the glory of God. And and I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And and again, they are measuring the wheat and the barley, and you use those to make bread. And just as Ezekiel 4 said that God will, will cause them to measure, and this will produce a want of bread. And, and therefore it identifies with cutting off the staff of bread or the judgment of God when, uh, when he brought judgment upon the churches and congregations of the world. But then it says in the last part of the verse of Revelation 6, verse 6, And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Now here God is uh, doing something very typical. He's using figures of speech. He's painting pictures with words. And I, I really don't know how it's possible for those that say you're not to look for spiritual meanings, that you're to just take the words as they're giving and, and they, um, they reject the idea of comparing spiritual with spiritual. They, they don't like all that jumping around. Even though the Bible tells us that the way to come to right doctrine, according to Isaiah the prophet, is here a little and there a little. But again, they reject the teaching of God himself, as God says that we're to compare spiritual with spiritual, and in doing so, the Holy Ghost teaches. But the church today is wiser than God. They know better than God. And uh, it, that's foolishness, of course. They they have proven themselves uh, that that they are uh, ignorant of a great many things in the Bible, and one of the reasons is that they 
do not know how to follow God's methodology for coming to truth. And and so when you read words like this of uh, uh, hurt not the oil and the wine, well, they might tell you what they think it says. They Maybe they'll tell you what, what uh, kind of meaning this had in view for the people who lived at that time in the first century A.D. as the book of Revelation was being written. But they have no idea how to actually discover what God is saying. And and yet it's not that difficult uh, as God um, directs us. Uh, he tells us just look up the words and he's provided for us a concordance, Strong's concordance, keyed to the King James Bible. So we can quickly search the scriptures and and we we look for oil and wine. And it leads us to the book of Joel. And the book of Joel is most helpful in um, giving a commentary on what we're reading in Revelation 6. Well, in Joel chapter 1, we read of a, a nation that's coming upon Israel. And, and this is pointing to Babylon historically. And yet, spiritually, God is referring to his judgment. Uh, that he will bring upon the churches by loosing Satan at the time of the end. And it says in Joel 1, in verse 9, The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of Jehovah. The priest, Jehovah's ministers, mourn. The field is wasted. The land mourneth, for the corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up. The oil languisheth. Be ashamed, O ye husbandmen, how, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. Well, here it sounds about as bad as anything could be, and it is for the church, because God ended the church age and removed his spirit from the midst of the congregations, and Satan entered in, and and from that point on, there was no more salvation in the church. The spiritual harvest, the precious fruit, was destroyed. And that's what is being described. The corn is wasted. The new wine dried up. The oil languisheth. The harvest of the field is perished. And that's how it remains until this present time. The spiritual fruit, those that became saved, left the churches and congregations as God commanded his people to come out. And that left a destroyed and rotten harvest within the church, a ruined harvest. There there was no fruit. But, however, the Lord also tells us in chapter 2 of Joel, in verse 21, Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for Jehovah will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit. The fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in Jehovah your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month, or it should read as the first, 
and the floor shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. Well, here, this is blessing, blessing, and blessing. This is wonderful. Well, how can this be? Well, we know that God had a program uh, to evangelize the world two times with his spirit. The first time with the early rain, and that identifies with the church age as the first fruits, the 144,000 representing all God saved throughout the 1955 years of the church age were brought in. And then he had a plan at the time of the end during the great tribulation when the harvest of the church was perished to send forth the latter rain outside of the churches and congregations and to bring in much fruit. A great multitude would be saved. The the fats would overflow with wine and oil. 